take a breath. Enough announcements. So I always enjoyed giving the last talk in a retreat. There's something about coming to the last afternoon or evening and sitting with a community of people that, like I said a few minutes ago, I have some sense who you are and I've heard your voices and heard your questions. I've heard some of your stories. I've met some of your dogs and your cats. That's been fun. And heard some of your joys and certainly some of your sorrows and worries at this time. So it feels like we're sharing this, what is a actually rather strange experience of being human in this very difficult time. So last night, Heather talked about our interconnection with all humanity and about really passionately leading us to see that we need how much we need to open our hearts to each other and taught us that wonderful practice of I see you, I know you, and I care. I mean, how easy is that? We can all remember that one um, pretty much any place. And this is great because the world right now is pretty overwhelming and people are continuing to become ill. For any of you who haven't been paying any attention to the news, it's not all that different. And far too many people are dying. And they're not just the old folks. They're not just getting rid of us old people, you know, lots and lots of young people as well. And the leadership of the world seems to be working a lot at cross purposes. And then, you know, as I've talked to people outside of the retreat, people are beginning to get really cranky. They're tired of being at home. And some of them are getting really bored. You know, they've run out of books and puzzles and, you know, movies and all of that. But I think most importantly, what's true is a lot of people are scared. They're really, really scared. What is going to happen? How long will this go on? Will I be one of the ones who will get it? No. So last night I made the recording, which you will get to listen to tonight before you go to bed. That's been a really fun part of the retreat for me. And I found that after listening to Heather, I really wanted to reflect in that recording about how the picture is really, really big. And then interestingly enough, this morning, John took us to that big mind experience, the mind with so much space. So tonight, which won't surprise those of you who know me well, I'm wanting to sort of continue that expedition into space and we're going to talk about the outer space, about the cosmos as well as inner space. And we know, there's no escaping knowing these days, we know that it's very, 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 big. And when we look at that very, very big picture, bring up like one of those deep space images from the Hubble telescope, it's like, wow, where, well, what? there's so much, you know, it's so big, so many stars, so many galaxies, so many planets. And, you know, where do I fit in that picture? What about, what about me? And so that really brings us, as part of this discussion, 
to um, the Buddha's central teaching about the nature of self. So when you come into this world, when you're just a little baby, you know, at first there's no sense of separate self, right? But gradually and fairly quickly, actually, you begin to have a sense of self and other first of the infant and the caregiver, usually the mom, but not always. And then gradually other people. And we begin to have that sense of, you know, you say to a, a little kid, who are you? And the little kid says, I'm Mary Grace. And everybody goes, yeah, that's so great. You got it that you are Mary Grace. And um, so we encourage this development of self. It's very handy and very helpful in the world of time and space. And in our world right now, we know that having a strong sense of self and me and then other has created an enormous amount of suffering. So it might be the other religion or the other skin color or the other political party or the other sex. But we have done an enormous amount of othering, if you will, um, in our culture. And in fact, we are completely separated for the most part in our own minds from the planet and from all of the other beings. The earth is other, animal species are other. How did, I mean, how did we forget that we're mammals? You know, we're mammals, just like the dogs and the cats and the cows. And, and we seem to forget that. And the plants are other. So out of this kind of mass delusion, all this damage has happened to the planet and in between various groups of people. So it's interesting to consider what have you noticed during this week of practice about self, about this thing that you call you. And some have noticed that hmm, the mind and the heart have gotten quieter and there is more space. And some people have noticed how under certain situations or certain thought patterns, everything contracts and gets really, really tight. And we've perhaps noticed that there's a constant flow of body sensations, you know, hearing and smelling and tasting, all of these things arising and passing in the body. And it all comes together and we say, that's me. You know, I just had that meditation. And of course, what's really interesting is we have all this notion of outer space and planets and galaxies. And, and then there's inner space, which is equally as vast and equally as complex. And sometimes if you, you've seen those images, you find them on the internet, where you have an image that is outer space and one that is inner space, and you can't tell them apart. They are so similar in, in the way that things hang together. It's an old piece of what is sometimes called perennial wisdom, as above, so below. So a couple of things about this inner space, this body that we've been being with. So your body, for one thing, your body is more bacteria than it is you. Trillions and trillions and trillions of bacteria. 
and probably a few other interesting organisms like the ones that live in your eyebrows and your eyelashes as well. And all of the different kinds of cells who are visually doing everything that is needed to keep you alive. Isn't that astounding? They take oxygen in and put it where it belongs, they take food in and sort it out and take it and put it around, they repair things. It, it is an astounding civilization that is walking around with your name on it. And then of course you have all communities of organs who are also functioning in their own particular way. And if they didn't do it, you wouldn't survive. So we have all this complexity inwardly and then we look outwardly and there's all the complexity and vastness outwardly. So all people in all time have wondered, how did this come to be? You know, what is going on? And there've been a lot of answers and the Buddha quite wisely said, well, you can't really know how it all came to be because there's no knowing it. But it is true that a large number of cosmologies and theologies and religions have grown out of that question. So here's an interesting thought though. All of the current major religions emerged in what's called the Axial Age. So you have the Buddha and Lao Tzu and Confucius and Jesus and Muhammad all happening within a, a relatively short, doesn't seem sure it does, but it is a short period of about 3,000 years. And of course, during that time, we didn't have the scientific information that we have now. And mostly, mostly, not entirely, but mostly people thought the earth was flat. Whatever was divine was up above. Whatever was not so good was down below, and we inhabit this plane in the middle. It's true that Buddhist cosmology is a good bit more complex, but it, it also assumes that it knows who goes where and how it works. It's a little narrow, and it's definitely a little simplistic. And for the most part, theologies haven't kept up. They haven't kept up. So that's the first piece of the talk. The second piece, I want to talk a little bit about where I live. So I live on the big island of Hawaii. And um, I spend part of my time when the park is open as a volunteer park ranger. So you're going to get a little bit of Ranger Mary Grace for a couple of minutes. You can imagine me in my little brown Boy Scout uniform if you want. So we know that the planet is covered with tectonic plates, right? And we know that these plates move around, they pull apart and oceans rush in and they smush together and mountain ranges rise up. And um, we know that all over this planet, there are hot spots where the magma from the core of the earth comes up and comes through the crust. Um, one of the hot spots, for example, is the Yellowstone. There's another in the Canary Islands, and there's one under the Hawaiian Islands. So the hot spot comes up, comes to the crust of the earth, and erupts starting on the ocean floor. But after it erupts long enough, 
um, it grows and grows and grows, and then it, the mountain comes to the surface of the earth and it creates an island. But the plate continues to move. So you've got an island formed, but then after a while the plate moves off the hot spot and then there's no more volcanic eruption. So we know that the tectonic plate that calls itself the Pacific plate dives under the North American plate up near the Aleutian Islands. The islands will move along they are steadily moving north, and in about 80 million years, my home will also dive under the Pacific, I mean, the North American plate. Um, so that's a pretty interesting thing to understand that this is, even this earth is very, very temporary. And we also know, actually it was at this retreat at Spirit Rock two years ago when the volcano began to erupt. And, you all probably saw images of that eruption. You know, um, we lost beautiful hot ponds and snorkeling pools and 700 homes. And it was a vast eruption that went on for about four months. And the summit of the volcano where I live collapsed and it dropped 1,600 feet, the summit caldera. So what many of you probably have seen in various trips doesn't look that way anymore. It looks a lot more like the Grand Canyon than anything else. We had 80,000 earthquakes over that four-month period, have about 500 a day, and of that 500 we could feel about 60 every day, so several earthquakes every hour. So no one lives here without getting the idea that this earth that we think of as being solid and stable is neither. It's steaming and bubbling and moving and changing. And sometimes new land is added to our island and sometimes it disappears. And so we know that this is true and that the continents are still moving around and um, they, they come and the oceans come and go. And it's not going to get any better because now we're, we have the whole question of climate change, which is adding to the uh, shifting of the earth and our planet. So it has become nearly impossible to really, um, let's use the word believe, the old cosmologies where everything is fixed and where we know for sure how it is. It's pretty clear that we don't. So there's another piece to this, though, that I think is also interesting. So let's talk for a moment about evolution as well as vast space. So it's also very easy to think that we, human beings, are the culminating event of evolution. At least I used to think that somehow evolution was what happened to produce human beings. That's my confession for the evening, I think. And of course, it's also a little easy to think that, at least in some circles, that spiritually we've also been evolving and we have also somehow arrived. But maybe not. Maybe we haven't. And maybe everything has been evolving and is continuing to evolve ever since the Big Bang. Ever since the Big Bang. Because I'm doing some interesting study these days, I know that there are 
uh, theologians out there who actually believe that, who do have some sense of God, of course, so if, if you have that, this might be interesting to you, who think that even whatever it is that God is has been evolving ever since the Big Bang, all completely interwoven with being. And we are part of that evolution. Stars, galaxies, planets, the people all coming together, growing, changing, shifting, and including, of course, the COVID virus. It's part of that evolutionary unfolding. Also helpful to remember that our particles, the stuff of our bodies, are descended from the particles that began to happen at the time of the Big Bang. So you are, you know, you probably, you probably all know this, you are literally stardust, literally. So as the cosmos evolved, the planet formed, life began, fits and starts, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, failures and dead ends. You know, so you do this, you know, and you look, oh, huh, stardust. And it's really important to remember, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Who knows what might happen next? You know, what about, there are people who are looking at artificial intelligence as part of the evolutionary process. So we are participants in evolution. We're not the apex. And we are on the cutting edge of what's unfolding right now. Right now. So the notion of a human being, the notion of this event that has evolved through this whole process, is a label for a process that is part of this evolutionary flow. It's a bit like having a zip code or a phone number for a tiny manifestation of being. Your zip code is human being. So this is pretty much exactly as the Buddha described it. It's one of the things that really excites me right now. The Buddha talked about the aggregates. He talked about form and feeling and perception, um, mental formations and consciousness. And he said, when these all come together, then we are somehow able to connect the dots and we call that a human being. So it's a bit like, you know, you look up, people are these days looking up into the sky at the Pleiades because they've been very, very visible recently for those of you who are able to see stars. And we go, oh, the seven sisters, aren't they beautiful? But you know, they're, they're nowhere near to each other and they certainly aren't sisters. It's just a convenience where we connect all those dots and, and we say, that's the Pleiades, or that's Scorpio, or that's the Big Dipper. It's handy, but they don't actually really exist. Or you go down to your favorite stream and hang out for a while and watch the water flow by and anybody who's ever done that, you know, you see there's places where the rocks stick up and the water kind of curls around the rocks in a particular way and it makes a pattern, right? And as long as the rocks are there, 
the pattern is there. Sorry about that. And um, so that's, it's pretty much the same thing. Or my favorite, I once was talking with my husband about this and he, we were chatting along and he said, oh, he said, well, what's the definition of a helicopter? And I said, mm -mm. he said, a helicopter is a loose collection of parts flying in formation. So that's what you are. You are a loose collect collection of parts flying in a formation. I can see Heather smiling on my screen, you know. So it's flying as Heather or John or Gil or Mary Grace, you know. And that's what is a human being. But of course, it gets worse than that, doesn't it? So we've, we've connected the dots, even though it's not solid. And we've said, okay, this is me and that's you. But then we get really hung up, don't we? We say, you're white, or you're black, or you're straight, or you're gay. Or sometimes we say to some child, you're male, and inside the child they go, uh-uh, no way, I'm not male, I'm really female. And or we say to someone who comes from another country and doesn't speak our language very well and doesn't currently have very much money, you're an immigrant, and clearly all you can do is service work, and actually, they've got a PhD in physics and used to teach college. And we do this whole thing where we other people and we put identities on them and we separate them. It's so complicated and we are obsessed with the idea that we know what is and who we are. Now, it's really true true that it's useful to have an identity. It's very good that you all know who you are and where you live and what your phone number is and all of those things. <clears throat> but it's only useful in that way and it's all very, very temporary. Now, suppose, just suppose that we got this. Suppose that we really understand that each body is made of these stardust particles that have traveled through billions of years. Imagine that in your own body. Pieces, little tiny particles that have been around for thousands and millions, billions of years. And they've been shifting and changing and merging. Supernovas, asteroids, planets, oceans, plankton, plants, dinosaurs, apes, Alexander the Great, Mother Teresa, and finally this little particle, or several of them, is you. I mean, that's, you know, when you really take that in, it is, at least for me, it's mind-boggling. Now, what if also, what if also, somehow there is a memory in these particles that at one point all being was one before the Big Bang, whatever that instant before the Big Bang was, which of course we can't possibly know. And in talking with my husband last night, he said, oh yeah, that's what quantum physics teaches. You know, there's a way in which particles I can be vastly separated and still somehow be connected. So what if there is this memory? What if there is this 
sense someplace deep in our being that it's all one you and the rocks and the ravens and the coyotes and the ants and the republicans and the trumpies and bernie sanders and the catholics and the buddhists not separate at some deep level all connected we are born relational that seems to be part of being a human being we are born relational we yearn to belong every one of us wants to belong and we desperately desperately need to get over this habit of othering and uh, of seeing people as being different we need to get over seeing the other politicians or the other members uh, the members of other religions or the people on the right or the people on the left we all do it you know we all make them other we're tribal and all too often when we're tribal we're we're afraid and then we tear the world apart and we get involved in these processes where only winning counts and only acquisition acquisition and it leads to endless separation and isolation clinging all the root causes of suffering so it makes it pretty clear you know that beginning to have some deep understanding of what the buddha was teaching is important so my island continues to change and to grow you never know here quite what's going to happen next moving slowly along to the north you know moving up off the hot spot pretty soon there won't be any active volcanoes here but there's a new island already coming along just south of the big island it'll be up in about fifty thousand years they tell us um we know that there are numbers of species who are dying out in our planet. We know that we are continuing to find new species that nobody ever heard of before. We know that mutations are occurring. So that species that were working in one way may learn to work in another way. So what can we contribute? That is the question, I think, for me. So, as we sit here this evening, this afternoon, we are, as I said earlier, right at the edge of front edge of evolution. It's unfolding in this instant. It is opening up in front of us right now, in these next seconds, in these next days. It's not something you just study about in school. It's happening. Impermanence isn't just about how things end. That's important. Retreats and the climate is changing. Living beings are dying. But it's also what's opening up, what's emerging right in front of us every second of our lives. And what's important here, I think, is that we are conscious beings. You wouldn't be on this retreat if you weren't somewhat conscious. We have the ability to wake up. We're all working on that one. And we have work to do. That's why you are here. 
That's why you've opted to be on this retreat. Something in you that wanted to see more deeply into the nature of our situation and to look more closely at, your, at our experience. So it's really important. Can you feel this? Can you actually take it in? Can you begin to evaluate the choices you make, the way you treat your body, the way you treat others, human beings, non-human beings, the way you treat the earth and the plants and the ocean? Your choices are part of the evolutionary process. They can't not be a part. They can't not be a part. The Buddha calls this karma. Your actions have reverberations. Every action has a reverberation. And that reverberation, that karma, is what remains after we leave. So we are the inheritors of our own actions. That's one of the lines in um, the, the equanimity practice. And our children and our planet and all of the other beings on the planet are also the inheritors of our actions. We are not solid. We are not separate. We are not other. And there, there, no one is other. We are not apart from our brothers and sisters who were before us, nor apart from the ones who will come after us. And that's not only our brothers and sisters who are people. It's Brother Sun and Sister Moon and Brother Fox and Sister Elephant and Brother Rock and Sister Water and Brother Tree, all of those beings. So. The Buddha teaches that our attachment to the notion of a separate self creates suffering for ourselves and for others over and over and over again. He teaches that everything is in flux and that it is constantly arising and passing away. And so this thing that we sometimes call creation is continuing in its mysterious and sacred and wonderful way. So what would it take for us to realize that we are unfinished? I kind of like that at 78, I'm still unfinished, huh? That's kind of cool. What is still going to emerge? What will emerge for you? We are still being formed that life itself is unfinished and is still being formed that the universe is unfinished and is still being formed. Or maybe, I had this idea as I was writing this talk yesterday, maybe the notion of unfinished doesn't even make sense. Maybe there isn't any finished <coughs> ever. If we can wake up to this world of change, of this world of continuing evolution, it could actually transform our lives. It could certainly change how we hold the current crisis. But this is part, some mysterious part of evolution unfolding itself. This is the call to all awakened beings. It's the cry of our suffering planet, and it's the summons from the Buddha. So really, can we take responsibility? 
can we acknowledge our small part in creation, our part in suffering, and our part in evolution? I'd like to end with a reading from two readings. One is uh, from Joanna Macy, and I've already had reference to Joanna Macy yesterday. And um, Joanna loves to talk about the turning that we are at this time of the turning. And she says, now harvesting these gains, we are ready to return. The third movement begins. Having gained distance and sophistication of perception, we can turn and recognize who we have been all along. Now it can dawn on us, we are our world knowing itself. We can relinquish our separateness. We can come home again and participate in our world in a richer, more responsible, and poignantly beautiful way than before in our infancy. We are our world knowing itself. And then lastly, a prayer from the Talmud, which I may have read earlier in the retreat. I don't remember, but here it is. It says, love this life. Love this life. Do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Maybe particularly important for right now. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. The day is short. The task is great. The wages are paltry. And the matter is pressing. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. So we leave the retreat tomorrow. We each of us go back to our own worlds, to our own work, to the work of waking up. The day is short, the task is great, the wages are paltry, and the matter is pressing. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. So thank you. Thank you so very much for your presence and your practice over this last week. Um, I think it's time now for us to move into our various individual evening programs. See you at 9.30 tomorrow morning. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.